And he said, if we want people to choose public transport, walking, cycling, electric vehicles, you know, these more sustainable alternatives to, to private vehicles, then we, we need to approach it by solving problems um, and creating alternatives that are easier, quicker, or cheaper than private cars. And then people will just do it naturally. Today our guest is Ross O'Kelley, urbanist, city planner, and host of the Green Urbanist podcast, Green Urban Pod, on Twitter and Instagram. Check it out. Green urbanism is all about the brass tacks, the actual do-it aspect of climate change, sustainability, and cities. And he pairs them together wonderfully. you got to check it out. Ross is an expert and speaks with experts on the show. So in this episode, we talked about the most important lessons learned, and it was super interesting for me. I learned a lot about the actual implementation, about what we need to be thinking about with sustainability. It was super fun. It's going to be published at the same day as this episode, so you got to tune in. And again, that's Green Urbanist Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and just search it on Google and you will find it. So without any more, enjoy the episode. Welcome to Human City. Thank you so much for having me. Super good to be here. Cool. So we're on here because we were going to talk about the Green Urbanist podcast um, and what you've learned, right? So maybe could you first introduce the podcast? What's about? Yeah, definitely. I mean, so my name is is Rossi Kelly. I'm professionally I'm an urban designer and a, and a planner. I work as a consultant. And I spend most of my time uh, speaking to local authorities around the UK um about you know how they can better understand their city and then how we can form a strat form strategies to um to improve their cities help them to function better you know what, what whatever that means you know for a particular situation that's kind of the you know that's kind of the general view of of, of what i yeah. do <laughs> and so the the last few years i've been doing this uh basically since leaving university i've sort of felt like uh, people in my industry, planners, architects, policymakers, we all um, care about climate change. We all believe in sustainability and we want to like make a positive impact. But then when it gets down to the details, it that sort of just disappears and we get distracted talking about things like housing numbers and affordable housing and design, you know, where does the parking go and and all this stuff just, you know, it gets in there's so many other things to think about and also what what i've realized is that you know a lot of us don't really know that much about about climate change and and about sustainability beyond the high level stuff like suburban sprawl is bad density is good uh you know uh driving is bad public transport yeah, is yeah. good you know there's sort of those big level high level things we all understand mm-hmm. but then there's like when you get into the details it's like 
oh, it's just so much to take in. It, you know, you don't really know what to do. And so I, I sort of been on this journey the last sort of year of trying to to learn what I can and bring that into my work. And so a few months ago, I started the Green Urbanist podcast as a way of um, structuring my research a bit and sharing it with a wider audience. Um, and also because I want to talk to really interesting people who have certain you know, expertise. Uh, and so I've had some great interviews with people and you know that's that's some of the the, the lessons from them I'll, I'll share with you today so that's basically it yeah it's exciting uh i think that um i love how you're pairing climate change and green technologies uh with urbanism because yeah like you said always talk high level when um we get to like actually c- combining them and like how do they connect and how do we play that out yeah i think there's so much room so um, what is the first lesson that you've learned? Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's get into it. So, I mean, I guess I'll start with um, one of the key messages I'm trying to share with the podcast is that, you know, we need to change the narrative around climate change away from one of guilt and towards one of opportunity. So I'll explain what I mean by that. Basically, for the last many decades, um, the way we've, 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 spoken about climate change has been very much about blaming people and about saying you know our our consumerism is the problem and uh you know the 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 way we live our lives our lifestyles are very unsustainable and all this kind of thing and that's all true but the thing is when you when you start by with such negativity and you start by berating people it's very hard then to motivate people to, to actually get excited to change and to make uh you know to be open to change um, and so I've been really thinking that as we need to make this transition to zero carbon emissions and t- taking more action on climate change, really this is a-, a huge opportunity to fix a lot of other problems with the world as well. So, you know, yeah. pe- people are very scared about, you know, the maybe changing the fact that we may have to change our lifestyles. But the thing is, when you look at it, our lifestyles aren't that great at the moment. Yeah, so <laughs> change would be a good in- thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so for instance, in in for the first time in in you know fifty years, um, the life expectancy in the USA and the UK is now declining. It's crazy. Um, it's it's incredible. And so you know we've been on this upward trend of of life average life expectancy just increasing, increasing, increasing. And now this is the first generation where uh, children are expected to live shorter lives than their parents. Uh, and what researchers found from this was a lot of the early deaths that were bringing the average down are related to what they call um, diseases of despair. And so things like drug overdose, alcoholism, uh, obesity, suicide. And, and really what this points to is, is you know, a, a society that is not serving people and, and economic inequality, economic hardship that, that is, you know, making, despite the fact we live in the most technologically advanced age ever, you know, people aren't, uh, you know, people aren't living, the, you know, to their greatest ability. Um, and so there's there's this real opportunity to, as we seek to solve the problems of climate change, we can also address our health, we can address our broken financial systems, we can try and, you know, just help people, help all of us live better lives in the process. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it's like if people are, not living as long or there's the yeah despair diseases it means that something around them 
is wrong. You know, it's not them that's a problem if it's happening to a lot of people. It's the society and the culture that's built around them, you know, like you said. So being able to change that can have a huge impact on how we live. So incredible. Should I? <laughs> Insane. Ab- ab- absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I, I always use the example of cycling. So urbanists are obsessed with cycling. Yeah. And it's not just, it, it's one of these magic things that solves lots of problems because it reduces carbon emissions. Uh, it also makes people healthier. Um, there's evidence that, you know, people who cycle take less sick days from work. And so there's an economic benefit. Um, and so there's all these offshoots of this sort of simple activity. Yeah. Um, and so that's one of the examples I'd use. Yeah. Yeah. No, cycling is, it's got like, <laughs> it's weird how we just need a little bit of stress and a little, you know, like movement is like a simple solution to that. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I think the answers are like in front of our faces, just kind of make it happen <laughs> almost, you know. <laughs> So what else? What else have you learned? Okay, I'll jump in to something a bit different. So I've I've had the opportunity to interview two people who are um, experts when it comes to using plants and trees to to cool. address you know climate change. So it, uh, and what was interesting is I so I'll, I'll tell you basically I I interviewed this guy Tiago from a company called Mossy Earth and he told yeah. me all about the work they're doing around. Um, reforestation and tree planting and rewilding in these you know rural areas you know on like a very big scale and then I talked to this guy Niall um, who works for a company called Scottscape and he told me about how they um, focus on greening the urban environment and urban greening basically getting as many plants into cities as possible and they're, so they're both working in sort of opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. But interestingly, yeah. they both sort of gave me the same advice, which is that, um, you know, just planting a tree or just putting in some greening isn't always a good thing and that it really depends on the context. And so in, in the, uh, the context of uh, reforestation, you know, so there's certain environments where you can plant a tree and that has a negative impact on the ecosystem. Um, and also depends on the type of tree that you plant. Uh, so for instance, you know, I'm, I'm from Ireland, the government in Ireland are, are planting trees as part of their climate change, yeah. uh, adaptation. And, uh, but, but generally what they're doing is they're planting rows and rows of managed, uh, pine forests, uh, which basically makes the soil very acidic, mm. um, has a negative effect on the surrounding environment. Wow. Uh, it doesn't really do anything for the local biodiversity. So yeah. it, it, they, they sort of missed an opportunity there. And they're actually, I see. you know, they're they're technically absorbing carbon emissions, but they're not having as much of a positive impact as they could with tree planting. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah I, I listened to both those episodes. They're really good. I, yeah. I think they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're, yeah. I know it's, it's a good point how you got to hear from like both sides of the aisle. I like that. Like it's more of like a systematic issue mm. like the mossy earth um business they think really about how does everything affect each other and how does all everything work together as a whole system and i think they both are thinking about systems and how do we add a, a tree yeah. or something and then it sort of has a holistic impact um exactly yeah and so we need to have people that are thinking about that like the people you interviewed to like provide these solutions because um, we've already done so much that to the earth that we thought was good at the time <laughs> Right. that ends up not being good. So yeah, I'm glad well, you 
doing that. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's, we can't all be experts in everything. And so, you know, there's people like us who work in, in cities. We don't necessarily have the training in, in, you know, botany to, to understand all these plant species. So sometimes it's enough just to know who to call yeah. <laughs> to get the right advice. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. I mean, like, it, cause like from an earliest perspective, I could just be like, just plant trees, you know, like, yeah, any I've tree's had, fine. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like people past guests on my show have been like, what's the, what's the quickest solution to climate change? Plant trees. Yeah. It's not that simple. Like you said, which I'm, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, knowing people that know how to do that though, is right is the way we should approach it, I guess. Huh. Definitely. You gotta, you gotta, you know, this is another one of those opportunities, isn't it? Because yep. you can, you can absorb a lot of carbon emissions. You can also restore ecosystem. And then obviously humans get a lot of positive benefits for having trees, yeah. um, to, to our health and to our mental health. So if we can get this right, this just has huge, huge yeah. benefits. Yeah. Oh, totally. Cool. What else? Let's keep going. All right. Let's keep it, keep it, keep the train yeah. running. Um, uh, some other advice I got actually from from Tiago as well, and something that I've been I've been trying to get, weave through my other episodes is so so basically climate change has become synonymous with fossil fuel emissions, and so the the simplistic view is you know we've we've burned a lot of fossil fuels that's causing climate change, and if we can reduce our fossil fuel consumption that will stop climate change you know basically, and that's more or less accurate. However, um, a lot of, you know, the climate change is just one of the problems that, that, that we're facing in terms of the natural world. And so the way that Tiago put it to me was that what we're seeing at the moment is actually the collapse of many ecosystems to the point where you can call what's happening now the sixth mass extinction on Earth, of, of sixth mass extinction of animal life on Earth. Um, and so if we, tomorrow, if we halt all of our, fossil fuel use and all of our emissions, we'll still have to live with that problem. Uh, and of course, humans rely on natural systems just like any animal. Um, and so I think we, we have to be conscious of not being hyper-focused on the emissions story because that is a key element that we have to get right. But, you know, you have to w widen your view and understand the, the wider context of the way we're interacting with the natural environment, the resources we're using, uh, and all, all that kind of thing. So yeah. that was a really important one for me. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. That's really, really helpful. I mean, to, to get that, I think everyone listening here should tune in to check that out for sure. <laughs> um, so I know you also, you've asked a lot of guests, like what we can do, um, in the future, what, what needs to change? Like, could you maybe talk about that? Yeah, so this is something I, I try to ask uh, all the guests, um, which is, you know, from your perspective, what needs to happen in the coming years as we fight climate change? So we're at this really pivotal moment where we've got really just a number of decades to to, to make a big turn in what we're doing um, uh, and to have, a you know, an impact on, on a positive impact on our future in terms of climate change. And what's interesting is I always get a different answer yeah. from everyone. <laughs> and they're, wow, all, really? they're all pretty much, you know, they're all valid. Um, and so I'll, I'll share two with you. So one of them is a um, uh, from a guy called Salem, which is an episode that's just coming out nice. tomorrow. Um, I guess it will be out by the time yeah. people are listening to this, it will be out. Um, and he, he shared with me this, this issue that we have um, 
which is that many countries have signed up um, to carbon reduction uh, targets. And so they've said, we'll reduce our carbon emissions that we produce within our own borders, basically. And the issue with this, in a sense, is that, you know, we're so hyper-globalized now that when I have, uh, when I want to buy something, it's being manufactured over in China and then it's being shipped over. But I'm not necessarily taking those emissions into account. And so you hear a lot of arguments from countries who have this very individualistic mindset, which is that, oh, well, uh, the United Kingdom only produces like 1% of the world's emissions, whereas China produces like 30%. So, you know, it's really, it's mostly their problem. I mean, we don't really have to do much. But I mean, the fact is, it's all of our problems. Yeah, yeah, it's such a global <laughs> so economy, you know, we're buying those things from them, or they're making it for us, you know, <laughs> so. Exactly. So in a sense, we we haven't, you know, in, in, in Europe especially, we haven't really stopped our emissions, our manufacturing emissions, we've just exported it to, to um, you know, to the Far East, to places like China and India, which, which now currently have huge yeah. emissions, partly because they're also, you know, like one third the, of the Earth's population. Um, so that's a factor, but also just because they have such a manufacturing base and they're basically producing all the stuff that we buy. Um, and so the, the message with this was really that we need to think in a much more global global way and beyond our yeah. own boundaries. And um, we need to uh, give uh, countries like China and India um we need to we need to give them uh, a motivation mm-hmm. for reducing their emissions because we've already had the economic benefit from our yeah. industrial revolution. They're yeah. going through it now, and we're telling Don't them, do that. "No, no, no! You need yeah. to stop your emissions." So, so, so there, there has to be a bit of give and take, and there also has to be a bit of knowledge sharing yeah. and a bit of sort of uh, working this Definitely. out on, on a yeah, big I level, mean, basically. Like even. I've seen discussions on like solar panels in India, for example, where um, they um, they they don't want solar panels because the U.S. or the U.K. made a lot of money and got through their industrial revolution through like having all these like basically coal-powered um, infrastructure. Yeah. So they think, oh, we why can't we use that to get out of our situation and you know become a wealthier country? So it's like. For us to tell them to do that, it's a hard sell, you know, to be like, hey, don't do yeah. it our way, you know. So we had to, <laughs> but they do. But I think a good argument is like, okay, you don't need telephone wires everywhere if we could just do Wi Fi, for example. Or if you don't, you know, we, if you can make the argument that, it, in fact, if you use these green infrastructure or you do it differently, you're, it's going to be better in the long run, you know. So it takes, of course, education, yeah. patience, um, and just, proof that it's better you know it has to be cheaper better i guess you know absolutely and it also is i think there's an element of future proofing as well of of once more and more of the world's economies go to renewables um and more and more standards come in about how products are manufactured and that uh, these countries will will sort of have to catch up and we need to make that easy for them and support them in doing that rather than being a hindrance and um that david attenborough documented it came out recently and he describes sustainability oh, yeah. as like if you can't do it forever it's not sustainability you know so <laughs> exactly yeah in yeah the simplest terms great, that's how it. he described that so we should be thinking at that level like how can we do this forever you know <laughs> yeah exactly and another big big um 
quote from that movie, which really hit me was he said, um, he said, we're fighting for our own survival. He said, the natural world will yeah. recover, but yeah. humans may not. Uh, it was yeah. like, oh my God. Yeah. So, <laughs> so true. So yeah. true. I mean, yeah. Like, and that's a good argument. It's a punchy argument. Cause I mean, a lot of us think for ourselves, <laughs> think about ourselves, you know? So, yeah, yeah. um, to put it in that terms is smart. So, um, Maybe that's how we could work it out with India, you know, and China. It's better for you. <laughs> it's for your own good. I promise. Cool. So is there anything else you want to share? Yeah. So so I had this great conversation with um, Justin Hunt, who is uh, r- runs a um, like a smart um, t- public transport company in, in Canada. And, and I asked him this question and he had a very smart answer in a way going back to what you said about you know self working with people's self-interest he said if we want people to choose public transport walking cycling electric vehicles you know these more sustainable alternatives to to private vehicles then we we need to approach it by solving problems um, and creating alternatives that are easier quicker or cheaper than private cars and then people will just do it naturally yeah um and so, you know, you have to provide something that people actually want and then just make sure that thing is more sustainable. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's so true. Like, uh, um, if you could just provide the solution and not say anything about climate change or sustainability, but it is that way, like, yeah, it, you know, people are going to pick it up left and right, you know. I see it a lot, especially in my country with, uh, I'm in the U.S. with, um, like, climate change that's such a hot word that like if i'm in texas and i say that mm. people are like whoa whoa whoa!" but if you say like oh just like flood resilience they'll be like oh okay okay cool yeah, yeah i could do that you know so um yeah i think that's so true like we should go about solving problems and having that in our mind that it's sustainability good for the environment and then um we could make things happen you know and i if that money, if you can make things cheaper, like that goes really, really far for people. So, oh yeah, <laughs> P- people shouldn't always have to make the the, yeah. the tough decision. It should be an easy decision. To, yeah, to be sustainable. yeah, that's, I th- yeah, that's true. Like, I don't blame people in general for like um, being like unsustainable. I think it's just like the system. Like again, to go back to this, the the place they're in, you yeah. know, like they're making the best decisions with what they have, you know, so you have to create that world around them that enables that lifestyle. So it's, it's quite an entrepreneurial way of thinking, which I really appreciated um, coming from Justin, um, which is, which is interesting for me. I'd love to see more of that kind of thinking brought in to, cause, cause I think, so, as I said, you know, at the beginning, so much of how we talk about it is like wagging our finger at people and saying, you know, you have to make the tough decision. You have yeah. to do what's right for the earth, blah, 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 blah. Whereas, you know, so, someone with a kind of an entrepreneurial mindset can just come along and be like, yeah, yeah I made something better. And it's, it's, yeah. by the way, it's more sustainable, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, I think it's more, you're like taking ownership to do that. You know, I don't know when you're saying you should do this, you should do that. You're sort of offloading the responsibility, which is yeah probably not going to work. <laughs> no you've got to change the mind of seven yeah. billion people you know it's gonna take a long time yeah it's true <laughs> okay cool so um what do you think is there any do you want to share anything else or what do you think so so i had one last thing just yeah. like a parting thought and this was really about as we said like trying to not just not just convince 
ordinary people about their lifestyle. Because as we said, it's not necessarily up to ordinary people to always make the right decision. I think it's up to policymakers, uh, developers, architects, you know, land landowners, people who are have a real uh, who are really have influence in our cities. Um, when we're trying to convince those people about taking action on climate change, uh, bringing in more urban greening, you know, tr- making better environments, what is much more effective than the hard sell is good storytelling um, and about explaining to people in a very engaging way about why it's, why it's important to do these things and why it's in their benefit to do these things as well. And, you know, that comes in many forms, whether it's through a podcast like this, whether it's through, you know, visual storytelling or, or you know, or just you know, how you talk to people. Uh, I think being a good storyteller and being engaging Straight and having a bit of empathy with people goes much further than the hard sell of you have to do this or you're killing the polar bears, you know? Straight up. And I, I agree. I think uh, like humans have been telling stories for like thousands of years. Yeah. Like it's so effective with humans. <laughs> like that's how we've shared ideas, cultural identity. You know, it's very much part of our dna to like want that or to like that stuff you know so we're really receptive to stories so i couldn't agree more cool um that was fun so where do you where can people um check out your podcast yeah sure so it's the green urbanist podcast i have a website um which i guess uh stig will put in the show description hopefully and um you can also find it on spotify um apple podcasts google podcasts all the podcast catchers yeah. all the basically places have it i'm also on <laughs> yeah. um instagram and twitter and so if you just google green urbanist podcast i should pop right up um I don't so know. Uh, yeah that's nice. it i love i love to hear from people i love to engage with people so it would be great if you can uh, follow me on on the socials yep check it out i'll definitely link to everyone uh, i'll link to everything it's it's a really good podcast. It's really, thank you so much. Really good. So thanks, oh, Ross. It's been a pleasure. It's thanks for having me. It's been a great chat. Hey guys, that is all. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, just send to humancitypodcast at gmail.com. Or you could hit me up at Twitter at humancitypod. Or even Instagram at human.city. I love listening. I love hearing it. Please, guys, absolutely anything. I'd love to talk. And that is it. I'm Stig. Goodbye, goodbye.